I'm sure you're wondering what's going on today. It's nice to mix it up a bit, and um, we're going to be sharing a, a lot and seeing a lot of videos on uh, the apostolic outreaches we have in the nations. I've just, uh, um, we've just come back, Steve and myself and the team have just come back from Haiti, and Jimmy's just come back from the Congo, both places that we are working into, and we just wanted to give you an update, and uh, um, Andy asked us to bring video back, and um, he said, make sure there's a lot of it. I think um, there was hours of it. It just couldn't stop filming. So many amazing things. So we're going to show a lot of that, and we'll, we'll share a bit about it. As I said, there's quite a bit of video, about a half an hour uh, in total, I, I think, and um, they've been cut up into sections, and then I'll just share a little bit of, about them afterwards. Johan will come and share about the Congo after this. So if we could have the first video up there, that would be great. Hello Oceanside, it's Jim McMunn here, just coming back from the Congo. I was recently on a 57-day trip to the Grace Orphanage. And uh, yeah, I'm finally getting warm after dealing with all the cold weather we have here and adjusting back to the Canadian life that we have. The first trip to Grace Orphanage, I was five, I found the shoes that my life had prepared me for and just put them on and went to work and God was using me in all sorts of different ways that I had no idea. <laughs> and uh, the second trip, I, I dealt with the, the cultural differences and all the struggles that are really happening there, whether it's malaria, typhoid, or even just the mental strife of the corruption after dealing with the, such a war-torn country. And the last recent trip that I was just on, I, uh, I still remember the emotion when I was pulling out of the taxi, arriving at the place, and I was shocked at the overwhelming sense of joy and excitement, something that I'd never really felt before. And it was just, it blew my mind and my heart was so full just to see those kids running at me and the smiles and the laughs. And yeah, it was very overwhelming, but very nice to, to come home in a way. And uh, yeah, this trip, I really, really turned into a, a father for these kids. And I, I just was amazed at how God can use me to be that for these kids and put that much love in my heart for these children that uh, I've really only spent maybe 120 days with or 110 days with. But uh, yeah, I feel like they're my blood. And yeah, every moment this trip was so special just being around them and helping with daily life, walking them to school and helping them with their homework and kids coming in with cuts and managing their cuts and kids talking about little struggles that they're having, whether their, their stomach's sore or maybe they just need a hug or they're cold so they just want me to hug them and warm them up or whatever it may be. And it was very, very special to play that role there. Also on this trip, I was, I really was shocked to see how these children have really turned into little confident adults and it's just beautiful to watch them. They have the confidence, they'll go up in church and sing proudly and confidently. And even our oldest boy, Siddiqui, he went up by himself and sang a hymn for the whole church and on his own accord, no one telling him what to do and just wanted to share what his heart was saying that God was saying to him that day. So these kids, they really are 
spiritually involved and they're starting to build really strong relationships with God and yeah, it's just nice to be there to help nurture that and try to be the loving father figure in physical form when you're there. On December 12th, which was my birthday, we got to move the kids to their new site and that was a very f f busy day, a busy day for Africa and we had the packing all the bags up and loading everything in the van. We had to meet with the pastors and we did some prayer over the house and blessed the whole compound. And during prayer, it was amazing the, the overwhelming sense of peace I received while we were holding our hands out to each walls of the compound. Just the sense of protection and a blanket over the, the, the compound. When we hopped in the van with the kids to, to move to the new site, their, their joy that they had finally coming to a place with running water, electricity, and just a big open space to play in, and just so exciting to be a part of that, and I'm so grateful that I got to serve and be there for such an exciting time in these kids' lives. So leading, leading up to Christmas was uh, a very special time. We got to do some Christmas shopping for the, for the kids, and took the girls to the market to get a present, and then Three days later, we took the boys to get a present and we store the presents in the room and then we handed them out Christmas morning. But uh, on Christmas Eve day, I had to just go to the neighboring country to buy all the food for the huge community lunch that we threw on Christmas day. And uh, I remember coming up in the morning and seeing the kids, they're just so creative. They decided to build a dance floor out of bricks that I had intended for construction purposes, but we let them do it anyhow, and they built a dance floor, and they actually threw a... They performed for the community. We, we had about 150 to 200 guests there, and we talked about our ministry and what we, what we are doing there in the Congo and what Grace Ministries stands for. And then we had food, and we had the local church come and sing a couple... There was a couple of the choirs there, and they sang some songs. Just amazing to see that we're really impacting this community and it's not just the lives of the kids, and that's super special. And I think for me personally, um, the last three trips that I've had here, I've just really, really learned how God is so faithful. He always has been speaking to me saying, let go, son, I have this, just surrender, just surrender. And I'm very stubborn, I have a hard time doing that, but I, I have to when I'm there, because if I don't, I, I break emotionally, physically, I get mental strife, just trying to solve all the problems in my own strength. And I always come to the realization that I can't. It's only in his strength that we can serve the task that he's asked us to serve for. And if anyone wants to hear more stories or wants to come talk to me about my experiences, or if they have a pull on their heart to go serve, I, I know for me personally, I was so, I'm so grateful that I answered that call to go and serve and I'm amazed at how God is so good and what he's done in my life and he's really changed my whole meaning and identity. And to end off, I'd like to share a story about Mui Bani Siddiqui, one of our oldest boys at the orphanage. He's, he's 18 and he was telling me one day about how he couldn't sleep very well and he kept on hearing a voice in the night and he was confused so he went to the local church and asked them what's going on and the church was saying that God's trying to talk to you so he, they gave him some scriptures and he started reading the Bible and he told me he's like Papa after that day 
if I don't read the Bible or if I don't pray, I get headaches, I can't sleep. And then he went on to further say that when he's feeling any sort of negativity or if he's feeling down, he just lays it on the Lord through song. And there's countless nights where I'd hear him, whether it's outside or in his room, just belting out a beautiful song. And afterwards he comes out and just gives me the biggest hug and just overwhelming joy. And yeah, I just want to share that clip at the end of this. Wow, I cannot believe how emotional that, that video made me. Well done, well done, Jim. Good morning, my, my name is Johan van Rensburg, and Mike asked me to share a little bit of the history behind uh, this little charity that has occupied me for the last uh, six years and, and basically changed my life. Orphan children in one of the most dangerous and poorest countries of the world to live in. Uh, world Vision doesn't even operate there, it's too dangerous. People have asked me why Congo, and, and, and really, I, I don't know. When, when I left South Africa, I, I thought I was done with Africa, but God, God had other plans for me. I met uh, David Mutanji uh, through an email that Dave and Laura Mockett shared with me when they came to our home group. Uh, now, David runs Grace Orphanage in the Democratic Republic of Congo, a country that was ravaged by war for over 15 years, more than 5 million people killed left behind more than two million orphans. Didn't really make the news much in North America. But he, he shared in this, this email that, that they were taking the kids and, and running into the woods over the weekend because uh, there were rumors that, that rebels were coming through the town where they, where they lived. And, and we didn't hear anything until about the Wednesday afterwards. And, and they were back at, at, the, at the house. And, uh, but they said that they were not going to do this again because some of the kids will curl into a fetal position when, when they hear the gunfire and they wouldn't move, they wouldn't eat. And, and, and how do you keep 35 kids quiet? So he ended his email with, if the rebels don't kill us and they let us live, then we live to see another day. So I tried to do the normal North American response, first world response, oh, that's so terrible, and then you get move on with your life. However, God wouldn't leave me alone on this one. I would wake up at night, think about 35 kids. I've got a nice big house. Where do you put 35 children? And it's not just putting them to bed. They have to get up in the morning. They have to get fed. They have to get ready for school. You have to help them with homework. They get sick. I would also think about the, the, the staff, the people who give up careers and, and their lives to take care of these kids. But what can I do? I had great excuses. But the thing that hit me is, what if it was my six-year-old daughter on the street, alone, hungry, scared? Rick Warren once said that uh, basketball in his hand is worth about $20. 
in the hands of Shaquille O'Neal, it's worth about $4 million a year. So what do I have in my hand? Well, I know a little bit about business. I, I know a few people around town. I know a little bit about fundraising. I had to do something. And I started speaking to people about this, this idea I had. And, and everybody I spoke to just, just wanted to know, okay, how, how do we get involved? So long story short, uh, my friend Brian Sanini here helped me set up a charity. And Grant Phillips became our treasurer. And Dave and Laura joined us as directors. And... Uh, yeah, that, that's how it all started. But interesting little story. We, we wanted to give the, the orphanage visibility through a website. So I spoke to many different people and asked for favors and, and a lot of promises, but came to nothing. So then I got referred to Katrina Elliott. She runs Elite Image. And um, I spoke to her and, and I said, you know, would you do some pro bono, some free work for us? And uh, she laughed. She said, you know, when I started this business, I told my business partner... When this thing is up and running, I want to find an orphanage somewhere in Africa that I can work with. I don't have kids of my own, so that's how I want to give back. And that's how God just brought, time and time again, brought these people into this little project of ours. So this was the very first photo, the very first time I saw the kids. Uh, uh, Nathan, Megan, and I were at the orphanage. This is how they came through the gate storming at us, and it was never peaceful again for the next 10 days after that. But initially, all we wanted to do was send 35 kids to school. And, and many of you wonderful people were part of the, the initial uh, drive to just raise some money. Because in, in third world countries, you have to buy your own books, your own school fees, your own uniforms. Otherwise, you don't go to school. And at this stage, the kids were housed in, in a rental house. And, and David had this dream of, you know, if they can just one day own their own land and start building their own place, then, then they're not at mercy of this landlord that always threatens to kick them out of the house. Because where do you go with 35 kids? You know, in April 2016, I always think about this. If, if we told the board when, when we want to send a few kids to school, we're going to start buying some land in Congo, we'd have all freaked out. But you know what? God just gives us enough to handle, and then, then we, the next step and the next step. So in April 2016, we purchased two acres of land, and uh, the seller gave us two years to, to pay this off. And by God's grace, we paid it off in less than 12 months. We started planting crops at the land, and uh, we built a guardhouse because security is a big thing. But we found out that we needed more because most of the first vegetable crop was taken by army soldiers that came through and helped themselves. So again, by God's amazing grace, we raised 63,000 U.S. dollars to build this 10-foot-high, 1,200-foot-long wall around the property. And, and now it's a secure compound where people cannot come in and come out unless we open the door for them. An amazing family joined us and, and donated the money to build the first house. We were absolutely blown away. And the second house was also a, a very big God story. Katrina, who designed our website, met a couple at an event. And uh, this couple has their own business. And uh, they actually started a foundation. And they wanted to build houses for the poor. For three years, they would go around talking to organizations and people, trying to give money to people to build houses for the poor. And every time, something happens and it didn't work out. And here God brought us together. Our visions were so aligned, and they totally funded the second house for us. Every step of the way, God showed up, whether drilling for water, installing solar, uh, um, finding contractors, every step of the way, he was there supplying our every need. There's so many stories I can tell about God's provisions. 
So fast forward to December 2019, when the children finally moved on to the site, to their permanent home. We're so glad that Jim was there, because as you know with projects, there are always these little things that wait till the end to get done, and Jim was there to, to stick handle all of that through for us. There's still a lot to do, but the children have electricity and running water. For the first time in their lives, they actually turn the tap and water comes out. Just imagine, now for the first time you can take a shower. You don't bath out of a bucket or wash in the river. You can actually take a shower. For the first time, they're sleeping in a bed that's actually their own, and they're not at risk of being kicked out of their bed. And many of you wonderful people have helped make that happen. Thank you so much. This is a video. Jimmy just sent me the short video of the first morning after the first night at the orphanage, and, and it really touched me. It's just a short 20-second video, but that really touched me. just gave me such a sense of being home. So what's next? We are in the process of completing the third house. We still need some finances for that. The first two houses are somewhat <laughs> overcrowded. And every house that we add, we can take more kids off the street because there are still, in that area, thousands of orphans on, on the streets. We also want to impact the many widows around the orphanage. Uh, we have plans to build a reading center where teachers will teach women to read in the mornings when our kids are at school. And it didn't click for me until recently that if, if, if you cannot read, Google means nothing to you. Neither does email or texting. You cannot vote. You, you cannot get a driver's license because you cannot read. Uh, you cannot read the, the, the medical directions on, on medicine for your kids. And we want to change that. It was always our dream that the blessings of this orphanage would spill over the walls and impact the community around us. So just in, in closing, what I've learned over the last six years is, as Jimmy said, on my first trip in 2014, it just blew me away that, that I would absolutely fall in love with these kids in 10 days and, and that they would change the way I look at life. Second thing is that this is God's vision and God's project. If I would only trust him, get my human brain out of the way, be available, be teachable, he will provide everything we need and he will direct us. As I said before, I never planned to go back to Africa to help care for war orphans. <laughs> but God had a plan, and he has a plan for each one of us, whether it's Congo or Haiti or wherever he may take you. It's amazing. It is life-changing. Just listen to his prodding and hang on and get on board. It's amazing and humbling when people write big checks to fund houses and all of that. It absolutely blew us away. But as important is a $10 a month, $20 a month, $40 a month donation that so many people here do. That's what pays for school fees and food and medicine every month. Without that, the, people, the kids don't eat. And then lastly, to Mike and the elders at Oceanside, who have been so supportive right from the beginning. I mean, we, we always talk, we want to register this outside of the church, the charity but without Oceanside support, we would not have seen the progress that we have seen. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's just amazing to see what God can do. Um, and uh, I must say, when God called us to Canada, I, I was born in Zimbabwe, 
poor country, grew up in Botswana and then in South Africa. And I always felt that God would um, lead us to um, third world nations to plant churches. And when he clearly showed us um, to come here to Canada, we arrived in 1997, uh, I, I was praying about it. I have a financial background. I was actually in corporate banking at the time, of all things. And um, I was asking God, why? You know, I said, surely, uh, I didn't, we, we didn't know a Christian in Canada and, really, and hadn't been there before. And I uh, said, so surely there's a, a, a lot of amazing churches there. And while I was praying one day, I felt this word leverage, and uh, it's a financial word. And leverage with regards to finances is that uh, in Africa, as Johan said, we can get 10 times more value for a dollar there. And uh, places like Haiti and that. And um, so we came to build a base, not only to reach out to the nations, but to reach out to Canada too. And yeah, the whole thing of Johan saying that we, um, I, we wanted the, the orphanage, the society to be outside of the church so that we could uh, it would be, have a broader appeal. And I want to thank the guys. It took maybe a year or so to actually get that done. And it's working so well. Uh, and we just want to give glory to God. And the next um, project we're on, and we're in the early stages of this, is Haiti. And we're going to just show uh, quite a bit of video of this, uh, as you'll see. And then I'll just share a little bit after that. Just arriving in Haiti. Just got off the plane. Thank you. Things going on, lots of people coming out of school. Great, we got Samuel driving us, he's doing a good job. And uh, yeah, so this is uh, lots of traffic, nice and warm. It's like being in the ocean on a really bumpy day. Yeah. <laughs> These are the streets, this is what it's like. Yeah, this is beautiful. Trying to reverse because we've taken Go the wrong it. turn. It's insane. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> Going into the entrance to the church. Um, it's down this alley. I had a picture of it early on and starting the first. Uh, session today of the Haiti equipment. We're looking forward to it. We've got a great team here, expecting God to do some amazing things. This is the school, the kindergarten and school, and uh, we're about to go into the building. Here we go. Wonderful. There it is. School, church, Kindergarten. On our way to um, Friday night service, um, yeah, we just ran the corner. As you can see, no street lights and no lights for the people. It's uh, pretty sad. Um, electricity could be switched on um, without going into the details, it isn't. And so the majority of people do not have any electricity at night. And this is how they go about their business. So 
see walking on the side of the roads only can see them because uh, of the street of the car lights and uh, yeah, yeah my name is marcel we start uh, since 40 years ago and since we start we start with uh, young kids and right now we the lord uh, open many doors that we have so many young kids uh, going to the policemen and teaching and serve in the ministry. Our heart is train the young people and send them different part of this world to preach the gospel. And then right now we, we have a school about um, 600 kids and then the population that we have right now the Lord really uh, used us to provide water. When we come here, there was no water in this, in this uh, location. But right now, the Lord bless us um, with uh, the ministry, and we serve the people of God, and we serve people to send them different part of this world to preach the gospel. My name is Bomber, and I am the principal of the school. It's such a blessing for me to be part of this ministry. And I will never forget how God um, trained me through my spiritual father. So when I came to that ministry, I was just a little boy. I didn't know anything. And I thank God for how he puts in Pastor Marcel's heart to train kids and young men and women. And thank to God I was one of these people that was... Um, chosen to be part of, the, of those young people that was going to be trained in the Bible school. So this is the kindergarten section. And these are the kids, they are having, having some exercises. They are about from three to um, six years old. We have three classes, one, uh, level one, level two, level three. And um, themselves right now. This is another class. We still have more work to do just to get the class well fixed. And this is a class, uh, another class for the kindergarten. And uh, the school that was built along with this, with, with this church since 1970, it's more than 40 years since uh, a lot of people are being trained from the school. We raise a lot of young men and young women. And uh, from the school, I'm one of them. <laughs> and, you know, many successful people, like some of them are nurses, doctors. We have lawyers that were part of the school. So we have many people like uh, some pastors and a lot of them, when they come from the school, they get into the Bible school and being trained and now they are winning souls for the Lord, you know, spreading the gospel all over the world. This is one of the teacher that was part of the school and now becomes a teacher. What grade? What, what class? He's teaching fourth grade in elementary school. Things and we, a lot of people are blessed from the school. And so that's why we have a heart for the school and we do believe that God is going to um, build the school and to provide that we can train more people and transform more lives and uh, not only um, with uh, intellectual staff but also with spiritual staff to train them and to guide them to get them ready to live on earth and also to, get, to, be, to make sure that after the, the life, the journey, they will go to them. Yeah, they're about six or seven years. These are kids that just come from kindergarten. Kindergarten session are those that were playing on the yard. And when they leave the section, they come here. So thank you. Thank you. <laughs>
Merci. We have some long-term projects like the school building. We have some short-term um, projects that uh, we we need right now, like uh, you know, kids, the parents are not able to even feed them, and you know how hard it is when when a kid is hungry. So with a hungry, when your belly is empty, you can't really learn. It's possible that we can give you the food, feed the kids every day, daily. That would be a great blessing uh, to them. You know, one of the most important thing we we need. So we have some computers, but we need a computer lab because you know some classes um, for kids to understand them. The computer lab is one of the most important thing, and you know, feel. So we we have a lot of needs. We have some short terms and long terms. You know, the more kids we having, so the more we believe in praying. God. One of the things we believe is that if God can send the kids, He will provide. to look at a tilapia fish farm in Haiti and um, yeah looking forward to seeing what they're doing and we're going to go um, to the land I think on Monday where we want to um, work with Stephen Yomi and Ben and look at um, setting up a fish farm there so exciting times be able to see what they do Okay, so I started this program in 2005, and when I came here, I mean, one of the first uh, uh, people that I've met was Pastor. That's right. Yeah, because right. uh, right. he was next door. Well, right. I came here, the land was completely uh, like his land right yes. now, with nothing on it. Yes. My name is uh, Valentin Abi, and uh, I'm a fish farmer. I'm a fish farmer. I'm a member of the Clinton Global Initiative. I'm also the executive director of Caribbean Harvest and Caribbean Harvest Foundation. It is a group here in Haiti. We're doing some development work, mainly in promoting aquaculture, fish culture, improving nutrition and education of the people. The actual program is uh, to feed on a, on a uh, consistent basis about 50,000 people. You take, you have the, the breeders, and then we just free breed them in tanks. Okay, so this tank, we have uh, 18 tanks for what we call breeding tanks. What now, 10 to 20,000 babies a day. It's amazing how God placed these two places, Marcel's land and the fish farm land, back up onto each other. When we were here last week and last year, and God dropped that in our hearts uh, in the last video we did, it was just an amazing thing that Marcel and I just just clicked in that. I had no idea except that we had Steve and Ben uh, with us, and I knew that they would be able to help us. But who would have thought right next door to where we want to build one, and this man is a Christian and he's willing to help us. Hey, folks. Uh, many of you know me, some may not. 
but uh, I'm from here at Oceanside, or I'm from Oceanside Church, and about a year ago, Mike was in, Pastor Mike was in Haiti, in Haiti, and the week he came back, he announced from the pulpit uh, that I was going to Haiti, and I had never considered Haiti. I've gone to many places, but but uh, to do a fish farm, so uh, I sort of chuckled a little bit with him at the time, and but I've been. You know, I, I know Mike, <laughs> and uh, he's a man of vision. So anyway, uh, when Pastor Marcel came to Nanaimo, he got a tour of my farm, and we got to know each other, and uh, absolutely God spoke into our lives, and we're brothers. Yes. And a, a we bond ate, We happened. ate your food. Eh? They <laughs> ate my food. So when I, it was a miracle that I'm in Haiti, period, even this year, uh, but I did arrive, and I did a little bit of preparation before I came, and I couldn't find any fish farms, and uh, again, the other night, uh, I had sent out some emails, and I hadn't got any responses, and then, uh, again, we were sitting in one of the evenings, and Mike said, hey, there's some fish farms in Haiti, and uh, so I contacted everyone that I could find, and only one gave me a response. But as I was going through those farms, I recognized that I know the owner of this farm, which is right next door to this land. Now, the world is a very big place, and I know a lot of people, and the fish farming community is actually very small. So a big world, a small industry, and this gentleman approached me for help a year or so ago. And so when I contacted him, he responded right away. And then I find out that Pastor Marcel knows him. And then we drive down the road today and we drive past Pastor Marcel's land. And right next door is the only commercial tilapia hatchery in Haiti. And the man knows God. So, if anybody doesn't understand how God works, that's it. There's been more things. There's things with Ruth, who's had God speak into her heart. Marcel's had the dream. Pastor Mike had the dream. And the God that we serve brought us all together. And now, all we need is a little bit of money. And I believe that we're going to build greater than we could ask or think. We're in the farm today and there's two drum filters in there that come from right down the road from PR Aqua and Nanaimo. Uh, I think God is speaking. I so sure hope we're listening. Amen. Hi, Ocean Size brothers and sisters. Uh, today is a great day. We, Mark and the team, we just come and meet the right guy to start the project about the fish farm and then the vegetable, anything that we need. Uh, there is a time for everything. We've been praying long, long time ago that the Lord will send somebody like Mike and somebody like you who are watching me today. This is the time. So I thank God for you and thank God for your prayer and thank God for standing for this project and I believe it's time to jump and I am ready. I think that you're ready too. God bless you. I love you. 
they've been next door neighbors for how many years? Oh, maybe 25 years. 25 years <laughs> and never knew that his fish farm backs up on this land. It's right next door. It's right here. All the expertise, all the things we need to get us going, all the help is right next door. And uh, who would have in the whole of Haiti or the whole of the Caribbean, this tilapia fish farm, and you'll see pictures, uh, film of it as we go, is right next door. If that is not God, I, I don't know who it is. So this is the, this is the situation then. Uh, as uh, Marcella said, we, we're going to need to fence the whole place. And we, um, if we get that first part of fence up, so we can at least store this thing here, the next part of the fence needs to come up as soon as possible. And we can't pretty much do anything on this land without fencing it. Those part was fence before, but what was happened in the earthquake, and the earthquake uh, just break many of the of the part of the fence. Mm. So, so there was a complete fence, but the earthquake brought it down. Yeah, it was a complete fence. The earthquake take it down. Okay. So, um, well, well, is part of this fencing savable, or do you think we'd have to knock down? They have to knock it down. We, we have to. We have to knock down yeah. this. Okay. To make it safe. So there we go, and here we we're, we're actually walking into uh, into the church. Um, you can hear them in the background there. They're starting to worship God. So here we go. So there's a river. And I found God saying, He wants to heal people today. 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 We're going to pray for the sick. We're going to believe God for radical healing. Amen. How many of you know that Jesus heals? How many of you know that Jesus saves? How many of you know that there's nothing impossible for God? for the sick to come forward to be prayed for and this is the this is what happened every single one of these people in a line waiting to be prayed for thank you jesus
overwhelming. Deborah asked me about the Yes We Can at the end there, but I just shared um, a simple message because one, one of the things we wanted to communicate that 
they have the same power and authority as us and to go into the neighbors and spread the gospel and heal the sick and so on. And so I just said that little analogy of a stick of stone in a worship team. And I said, can you go and share the gospel? Can I say, yes, we can. And they just kept on going that. So it was quite amazing. And um, yeah, Steve got a little bit ill there. He ministered there too and um, with the team. And just excited to see what God wants to do in the nations in and through us. So I want to encourage you to pray about it. And, um, and next week, I, I think I want to share a little bit of the different ways that we sow into the kingdom. Um, and we're not, not a church that focuses on finances much. God has always provided. We have some very generous people. But there's a difference between tithes, offerings, and almsgiving. And they're very important. And one of the things that Deborah and I learned from a very, very early stage is that we can never, ever outgive God. And God repays us sometimes back with finances, but he can repay us with family, with health, with community in so many ways. And um, so I'm just going to um, thank you guys for allowing us to do what we do in the nations. And... Um, yeah, I just wanted to finish with a few words um, with regards to um, how we live our daily lives. Because one of the things for us to remind, remember that Jesus said in, in Acts 1, uh, 8 that we'll rec- receive power to be a witness. And first that would be in Jerusalem. And that Jerusalem is our Nanaimo. We have a lot of initiatives in the city, and I want to thank the people doing that. And I want to see us reach out more, like, as I said before, um, through the business um, men's meeting that we have on the Fridays. Uh, the mayor's going to be attending, and we want to see how we can help the city. But it says Jerusalem, Judea, that could be Canada, and right Samaria, right through to the uttermost parts of the world. And it's not one or the other. And the reason why we can do what we do, as I felt God showed this to me in the early days, um, as we had planted and so on, that, that um, in Isaiah says that we will be a planting of the Lord to display his splendor. And I had this picture of the tree, and I felt God say, listen, you have to nurture this tree, this planting of the Lord in, in Nanaimo, and you have to get it to grow and strong, because you have to share the fruit. You can't eat the tree. You can't eat the leaves. And so uh, this is very important. And I want to tell you that whether you go or not, you're going to be surprised when you sow into these things, initiatives um, uh, around the world that we're involved in. And when you sow into this church, you have an inheritance because that finance was used to feed a poor person. You're going to say, Jesus said, when I'm hungry, you fed me. And he says, Lord, when, we did, when did we do that? It might have been a kid in the Congo or somewhere else. And so it's a tremendous um, a privilege to be a part of that. And um, so I just wanted to share a few things, a few thoughts. It's not really much while well, I was thinking about that and, and my life too uh, in, in the context of this. It said, the way we live our daily lives from Mondays through Saturday is an indicator of the authenticity of our worship on a Sunday. And Peter encouraged us in 1 Peter 2 verse 12, speaking about um, our living our lives. He says, live such good lives amongst 
the heathens, amongst the people we are around, we, we're all, we are all heathens saved by grace. Uh, and said that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they might see your good deeds and glorify uh, God on the day he visits us. It's how we conduct ourselves here. We're in, in our marketplace because our primary mission field and yours in particular is where you work, where you live, where you hang out. And I must say one of the things when I went into full-time ministry, um, that's one of the things that I, I, I'm more saddened about in a sense. I have the privilege of obviously ministering to many people in the church, but there's nothing like being in an office full of people with lots of needs and just sharing the love of God with them, for sure. 1 Peter 4, 11, he writes, If anyone speaks, they should do one as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should do so with the strength that God provides, so that in all things God might be glorified through Jesus Christ. It's amazing our deeds. Jesus said that, let your light so shine before men that in Matthew 5 that they might see your good deeds and glorify the Father in heaven. It's amazing how often the Bible links how we conduct ourselves uh, in, in a manner worthy of the gospel, how we, the deeds we do in his name, how that brings glory to God. And how does that do that? Because it softens people's hearts. You know, the gospel, the truth of the gospel um, can be uh, received one or two ways. can be received in a judgmental way that you're a sinner in need of, or from a place of, of humility and love. And um, I remember somebody saying this one, we cannot put 10 tons weight of truth in a, in a one pound uh, relational bridge. And this is what good deeds do. They soften people's hearts. They need to know that we care for them. These people in the, in the nations and in Haiti need to know that too. And, and so that's what makes it easier for the gospel to go forth. So these are just practical things. He says this in Isaiah 58. We've spoken uh, uh, about this before, but I encourage you to go and study this passage. I've been reading it a few times this week. It says, uh, it's talking about Israel, a people who totally lost their way uh, uh, and were crying out to God for breakthrough. They'd been fasting and praying and, and they didn't seem to be getting any answers from God. And so God sends Isaiah, and you can read it there, and he, God sends Isaiah to remind them that authentic worship is not about religious activity, but a lifestyle fully dedicated to him and his purposes, a lifestyle that brings glory to God. And you see, in Isaiah 58, they did a lot of things wrong. But as you read this passage, you will see they did a lot of things right. And, this, uh, and this, this is the th- these are the things that they were doing. But it was as a ritual, and it wasn't coming from their hearts. Because God does not look at outward appearances. He always looks at the heart. And you read this passage and you say that they, was, they sought God. They seemed even to know his ways. They asked God for just decisions. They humbled themselves. And they even set a day aside to worship God. But here's the problem if you look at it. It was all about them. They wanted the blessing 
to, uh, for themselves. And God has always said, I want to bless you, Abraham. The Abrahamic covenant starts with this. Abraham, I will bless you so that all the nations will be blessed through you. In other words, Abraham, I'm blessing you so that you can be a blessing. And they had forgotten this thing. And so, so God, in a sense, rebukes him. But he's, God is always a God, a redemptive God. He never leaves us there. In Isaiah 58, 6 to 10, um, he says, this is what I expect. Because they were saying, God, we're fasting, we're doing all of these things, but you're not listening. And then he says to them, well, I want to tell you what true fasting, what the kind of fasting um, I, that, that moves my heart. And he says this in Isaiah 58, 6 to 10. Is this not the kind of fasting I've chosen uh, and that is to loose the chains of injustice, to untie the cords of the yoke, and to set the oppressed free, and to break every yoke. Is it not to share your food with the hungry, and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter, and when you see the naked, to clothe them, and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood? Don't forget your own family. Don't forget the family of God in this process. And he says, and if you do this, this is an amazing promise. Then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call. Remember in the beginning, they were saying, we're fasting, we're praying, we're all of this stuff and you are, the heavens are brass, Lord. You're not listening. And he says, well, if you do these things, he says, then you will call. And the Lord will answer you. You will cry for help and he will say, here am I. If you do away with the yoke of oppression, the pointing finger and malicious talk, and spend yourselves on behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become uh, like noonday. And carries on to this year. And the Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden. <laughs> Amazing. Who spring, uh, like a spring whose water never fails. Your people will rebuild ancient ruins. And that's what we're doing. And we need to do it in this nation too. And you will raise up the old age foundations. And you will be called repairer of broken walls. And a restorer of streets and, dwe- and dwellings. Ephesians 2, 9 to 10, verse 9 to 10, should I say, is, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and is not of yourselves, it's a gift from God, not by works that no man can boast. And often we, people st- stop there. We cannot earn our salvation. There's nothing we can do. Whenever we try to do that, we actually lessen the price that Jesus Christ um, uh, paid for us on the cross. But it's something in us that we somehow want to do that. No, we simply confess our sins um, and, he, and when we do that, accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, uh, we are born again, born of the Spirit. And we res- uh, our salvation is always received by faith. It can never, ever be achieved. And that's the difference between religion and relationship. 
And God is not into religion. Yes, religion's a big word. But he's into a personal relationship because he loved us so much that he gave his very best that we could believe in him and um, have eternal life. And you see, it says here after that, not by works of the nomad, for we are God's handiwork. The Greek word is poema, which means we are a poem pretty much written by God, each single one of us. And we were created in Christ to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And our mandate, we can see there, up there, our mission statement is to know Jesus and to make him known. And the more we know Jesus, the more we intimately spend time with him, the more we're in prayer and in his presence, the more we know him, the more he's made known. Because people don't get what we say we have, they get what we have. And, um, and when you're around people like Marcel and, and so on like that, you just see the, the love of God just flowing out of them. But he says, the other thing is to be a gathering, healing, training, sending church. And those look like four small worlds, uh, a few uh, uh, small words. But I just want to let you know what that means to to us. And as we, uh, God gave us this mandate, we want to gather in people like this. That could be the lost, the lonely, the whole the healthy. We want to gather together and we want to see people healed, spiritually, emotionally uh, healed and and physically healed. And then we want to equip. And uh, Mark has done such an incredible job with the Bible school. If you go back a few years, there's enough Bible teachings on there in video that Mark has done. The first one was with a GoPro and a few people. But they're up there forever. That's an amazing thing. If you want to sit under amazing teaching, it's up there. But now we have the 2020 um, through the Bible, the Bible in a year. And, um, and if you want to go online on that too, you can, uh, you can go through the Word of God with Mark uh, and the rest of the team. So we want to see people trained and equipped. But then we want to send you. You see... Christianity was never, ever meant to be an event. You see, tradition says that we go to church on a Sunday or whenever. But the Bible says that we are the church. We are the body of Christ. Each one of us is a stone in the wall of the temple of God, a living stone. And when that stone's missing, there's a hole in the wall. And yes, we can organize events of evangelism like Love Your City and all of these, but the greatest evangelism is one-on-one just by loving people. How do we do that? A cup of water, Jesus says. A visit in a hospital, in jail. Uh, when I was thirsty, you, you gave me something to drink. And he said, Lord, when did we do this? He said, when you do it to the least, least of these, you did it to me. And that's what God is wanting to raise up. You see, the greatest threat to the kingdom of darkness is not uh, a Sunday meeting with millions of people around the world coming to worship God. And it is important, and we need to do that. 
But that is not the end. That's a means to the end. This is a place where we come to be encouraged and inspired to go from here and and live the life that God's called us to be. And then we we get to the end of the week and we're a bit beaten up and hopefully halfway through and you go to one of Paul's amazing home groups and you walk in like this and you come out like that because you're with the priesthood of all believers and you come on a Sunday um, and to be inspired, for us to be inspired to live out the, the, the kingdom. And you see, the greatest threat to the kingdom of darkness is not a bunch of, even a billion people around the world gathering to worship for an hour or two on a Sunday. The greatest threat to the kingdom of darkness is the mobilization of the priesthood of all believers. When all of us understand the power and authority that Jesus has invested in us to go and make disciples, starting in here, ending in the Congo and heading over. And I believe in church, the best is just to come. The best is just to come. And I have such vision and, and hope for what God wants to do in and through this church. I love the fact that we don't own a building. We, we partner with the school. I love the fact that we're in a place called Nanaimo that anywhere in the world when they tell them, laugh their heads off. They say, Nanaimo, what the heck's that? And even more, I'm so happy that we, this church is on a place called Jingle Pot Road. <laughs> What good could come out of this? And look what God is doing. So I want to thank you all. I want to pray that God inspires you to be the salt and light, to go out there. And if you can't say it in words, say it in deed, because God says, if you do that in my name, you're doing it to me. Amen? Amen. Amen. Thank you, church. We are going to do some worship, but um, the Sunday school teachers uh, would love you to fetch your kids and that. But can I encourage you to please um, meet some, some of your friends. This is your family, and reach out. If you have friends here, uh, maybe you should reach out to others and make them your friends too. That would be an amazing thing. God bless you, church. Thank you for coming. Amen.